you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Mike Am and a very thirsty Michael Robinson. It is the NFL Explained podcast. You know, we start rolling, and I wish we started rolling like four seconds earlier. I was like, you, you, got, a, you got a beer over there? I was no, like, what, it was what is not up? A beer. It is a canned water, and I know my wife always listens to our podcast. Hey, beautiful. Hey, baby. How you doing, Meek Rob? Uh, when he said thirsty, he wasn't talking about it in my DMs, okay? <laughs> he was talking about this water right here. Yeah, okay, yeah. I got I to gotta preface that. Yes. Yeah, the DMs are coming my way, and we keep getting some of those questions, which, by the way, we got a mailbag episode right around the corner. Keep them coming. I got another one right before. Did you check your cell phone? Because I did not gotta, check the cell phone. So before. right before I was was having lunch. I came downstairs. I checked and I got another question and I put it on our text thread. I got to look so, at it. I, I need you to double it. tap yeah. that before okay. we finish up this episode. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. All right. Like, are we talking about hydration for players? Is that today's edition? It is really important. Did I just come up with a new idea for yes, us? Yes, you did. Okay. Yes, at you some, did. <laughs> at some point, we're going to talk about hydration. <laughs> Our producer's like, what are you doing, dude? No, we're not. <laughs> All right, we have gone through the evolution of offenses. We've talked about quarterbacks and wide receivers. I've been saying this for a long time. Can we please love up the defense? Can we talk about as much, if not more, I'm talking to an offensive guy. As yeah, I was much about to importance, say, care about that damn defense, yeah, man. Yeah, just nobody. We want points, 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 points. Saying a guy who was on a team with the Legion of Boom and we gave up like only 13 points a game. So yeah, but you know it's important. It is. I mean, is that old adage, right? Like defense wins championships and the whole thing. Uh, By the way, we did do another episode of the podcast last season on Uh does defense truly win championships? If you missed that one, highly encourage you to go back. But as we've been talking about all these offenses, Rob, we realized like, hey, defenses have to go and keep up with some of the evolution that we're seeing on that side of the football. So for today's episode, we're talking about defensive schemes and more specifically, what's effective how teams utilize different personnel. We got you completely covered, but I think it's probably important we go through a little bit of the history of, yeah, let's do of it, defenses. Let's All right, do it. Buddy Ryan, that's a name that gets thrown out there. A Buddy lot of times you're, you know, you're, listening, you're watching games, maybe you're listening to them on the radio. 
Buddy Ryan is the guy that developed the 46 defense, which was used by the 1985 Bears. Now, we got some younger audience, and I hate feeling like I'm old every single damn episode it's we do okay. this podcast. It's, you have wisdom. Uh, yeah, all right, I like that. What, the gray hair. <laughs> David Carr said this to me. He's like, oh, it's the wisdom crown. You know, like, a, <laughs> man, you're my guy, dude. There I'm going to use go. that all the time. Um, but I always think when I think 85 Bears, I think of the SNL skit. The Bears, oh, you know oh, what I'm saying? Yes, so yes. go back to YouTube. You can check it out. And Rob, I feel like you're not really buying the whole SNL thing. But oh, besides, I do like the okay. SNL thing. The, the okay. Bears, yeah, I understand uh, yeah. all Dick, of that. Uh, the whole, yes, yeah, I, yeah. Trust me, I get it. All right, so the 46 defense actually utilizes eight defenders in the box, six defenders on the line of scrimmage, which usually doesn't allow teams to really run the ball effectively. No. There's usually some big bodies up front. Absolutely. Dick LeBeau invented the zone blitz defense, Cannot wait to get your thoughts on that and a little bit more of an explanation coming up here. Tom Landry, known for his famous flex defense. The flex defense confused the offense before the snap. Odd schemes, defensive linemen backing off the line of scrimmage, linebackers to safeties, constantly moving. Mm. Look, M-Rob, when you were talking about quarterbacks, like I think about sort of this idea of dudes moving around. You think it's going to be one coverage and all of a sudden yeah. dude starts sprinting to the other side of the field. You're like, what did I just see? And this is why I love working with guys like you, Mike, because like I'll never know as much football as you've forgotten. And I think it's always my job to try to bring out the stuff that people don't always understand, but yet we yes. hear the verbiage. You're watching games, people talking about cover two, cover three. They're like, what, what am I looking at? I got you. I got all <laughs> of you guys. But let's talk a little bit about some of those basic defensive principles that you just brought up. Sometimes you even hear phrases like nickel, dime, man-to-man -man coverage, you know, blitzing, all that stuff. Teams generally will run either a 4-3, which is four down linemen and three linebackers, or a 3-4 defense, which is three down linemen and four linebackers. In, in recent years, like basically that alignment, that 4-3 or that 3-4 has been described as a base defense. So can you, how about we start there? Can okay. you just kind of break down 4-3, 3-4 and, and that base defense? Well, first of all, I want our, our listeners and our viewers, yeah, we're on YouTube too, guys, yeah. I want everybody to yes. understand that there's a difference between nickel and dime. Yeah, I should have put makeup on before we got it's up all here. Good, bro. It's point, all good. Yeah. We look good. We are, we are the mics, okay? <laughs> we look good. We don't need no damn makeup. Alright, we gotta understand the difference between nickel and dime, like yeah. th like those are like coverage personnels. They aren't coverage calls. They aren't the calls for the entire defense. Those are the coverage personnels. Those are the back end packages that match up with the front seven. The front seven is your base defense four three or three four in a four three, right? Oftentimes you're going to have a shade on one side of the center, which we oftentimes call a one technique. Right. That's a shade. And then you're going to have on either guard, not both, but one of the other on either guard. You're going to have a shade on that particular player, too. That is what we call a three technique. And the crazy part about it is, Mike, when you have a shade and a three technique, the offensive personnel will identify that is a four down three linebacker type of structure. So a four three structure, meaning you got four linemen, defensive linemen three linebackers in the blocking unit in base offense, if I have two backs, right, five offensive linemen, yep. four defensive linemen, my center can block one way and handle an extra defender, and our, our running backs, one of my running backs can block another way and handle an extra defender. So if I keep one back in with my five offensive linemen, I have the ability to block six players. Add another back, I have the ability to block seven. Add a tight end, I have the ability to block eight. Okay? So that's the base... 4-3 defense. Now, what I hated going against was a base 
3-4 defense, okay? You know what I just talked about? I said the identifying aspect of a 4-3 base defense is a shade on the center and one of the guards having a three technique, okay? In a base 3-4, you have a head-up guy or a zero technique on the center. So in slide protections, which all most protections are slide protections, where the center has to slide to help one side of the offensive line or the other, that zero technique prevents the slide, which is very important because you lose a blocker from either way. You got a guy head up with pressure on the ball snapping to the quarterback. Now, guys, zero technique over the center, okay, now you have two guard bubbles. There's nobody over your guards. In a basic 3-4 defensive structure that you have two guard bubbles, and then what we have are four eyes, right? These are two defensive ends, which a inside shade on the tackle. That's called a four eye. An outside shade of the guard is a three eye. An inside shade of the tackle is a four eye. And when I say shade, that just means a tilt or a um, just kind of over a, yeah, an a alignment yeah. over a little bit on that side of the player. So for me, when you have those two guard bubbles, to me, that's when all the funky stuff starts to happen. Because see, Mike, and I know I'm getting a little technical, but that four eye and that three technique, literally the difference is about six inches. Yeah. And in the backfield, sometimes your eyes can get a little messed up. You can fall in the dirt. You can have a visor on. Sweat can be there. And sometimes you look and you're like, man, I can't tell whether that's a three technique or a four eye. And so what you see on Sundays is constant communication in the blocking unit. The offensive line talking to the backs and the quarterback. Quarterback talking to the offensive line just so that everybody can be on the same page so we can block the same rules. Okay, so this is probably a really oversimplistic way of me describing it, but this is how I kind of have always interpreted it over the years, because I think what you just described with mm -hmm. the technique, it really is a matter of inches and how it guys is. are lined up. So if I'm in that backfield and I'm a running back, I kind of look at it as a numbers game. Like mm -hmm. if there's three down linemen, man, I'd rather run up against three of those dudes <laughs> yeah. having the guard be able to find, you know, a little bit more space than see four guys in a 4-3 defense. But it sounds like what you're describing, that's not always accurate. It's not always accurate. And again, to me, the teams that use the 3-4, they're more ready for giving an offense protection issues because they know that we're looking at that 4-I and that 3-I and, and we're looking to see that difference because it, it changes everything. In our blocking unit, right, again, when your guards are free to move as opposed to your center being free to move, that changes everything. And so you have to have special personnel if you run a base 3-4 and you have a tough run defense. You yeah. have to have bubble linebackers who are big enough and strong enough to get big offensive linemen up off of them and run and make the tackle. And you have to have a guy at the nose at that zero technique who can jack the center up, share them, and be a playmaker, meaning he can make tackles on his own. It really is wild. You know, we were talking about the acumen of a lot of players. <laughs> Man, dude, defensive dudes. I don't want to upset anyone. And I haven't talked to him in a while, but I used to be buds with an offensive lineman. Actually played for the Bills for a bunch of years. Okay. Went to a bunch of Super Bills Bowls stand up. Uh, back in the early 90s. And I had said to him, like, hey, when you're you know, offensive line, like, how, what's, what's it sort of like? Because I keep hearing that all the offensive linemen are really smart dudes. He goes, let me just tell you something, Mike. Offensive linemen, smartest dudes on the football field. You know those D linemen? They're, they're like... 
like like hungry dogs. All they have to do is just go. They got one they mission. Go just eat. figure out how to get to the quarterback. He's like, what we're doing in terms of protection, run scheme, all that stuff. He goes, we're actually got to think when we're out there. So, oh, yeah. A little I bit mean, of hate it, towards the it, defensive guys. It is guys. a lot of thinking. Yeah. It, it, it's a lot of that going on. And from an offensive lineman standpoint, I mean, especially the center. I mean, the center has to know just as much about the offensive yeah. blocking unit, has to know about routes and side adjustments just as much as the quarterback. So very important. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. Mike M. and Rob with you. Okay, so now I think the next question is, how, how many teams are running 4-3? How many teams are running 3-4? All right, so through seven weeks of the 2022 season, 16 teams were running a 3-4 defense, 14 teams were running a 4-3, so relatively split down the middle. The two remaining teams are Denver and Detroit. By the way, man, Denver, nasty defense. Detroit, uh, <laughs> not so much. But those two teams have actually used a mix of both. So it seems to me coaching philosophy, is that the big reason why they're running a 4-3 or 3-4? Or is it 
personnel, hey, these are the dudes that can do X, Y, and Z, and that's what we're going to run. I think it's a little bit of both. I'll, I'll use an example. You remember when the Dallas Cowboys, they had Rod Marinelli, I think, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. for a while, and then they made the switch and picked up Mike Nolan, who Mike Nolan is a 3-4 guy. Yeah. He's a 3-4 base guy. That's what he loves to do. He was my head coach with the San Francisco 49ers. Mike Nolan is a base 3-4 guy. And then you looked at the Dallas Cowboys defense that year, and they couldn't stop a nosebleed that year. We were talking about just how historically bad the Dallas Cowboys defense was. They made pretty much one switch the following year. They hired Dan Quinn, who was a 4-3 guy. It matched their personnel. And then all of a sudden, they were leading the league in takeaways. And now in this year, they're also doing well on defense. And so, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think coaching styles and coaching philosophies forced the change. But the constant trait of a great coach is taking what you have and being able to coach what you have and putting your guys in the best position to succeed. That is why Pete Carroll was all about the three deep defense back when we won our Super Bowl with the Legion of Boom. It was like, let's run one simple defense. We have the perfect personnel for it. These are the only two routes that can beat us. So on every play, we're only looking for these two routes. Everything else the defense takes care of. And I think from a defensive standpoint, our guys took ownership of it. Okay, so we touched a little bit on four three three four those base defenses. You brought up two coverage packages, right? Like yep. dime, nickel, and all that stuff. So we hear that a lot of times. And then I started thinking about my days covering college football and different alignments that you're seeing there. We've talked about this on the offensive side. Sometimes what we see in the NFL It comes from college coaches, right? And college coaches got it from high school coaches. Like, it's really Mm -hmm. weird. It's not NFL down. It's sometimes bottom up what we see in the league. Most common defensive personnel through seven weeks of the 2022 season is nickel, which is five defensive backs on the field. That's used 62.4% of the plays, according to Next Gen Stats. Base personnel, which includes four defensive backs, has been used 26.3% of the defensive plays. So just behind that nickel package and then dime personnel, this kind of surprised me a little bit because we talked about the evolution of offenses Mm -hmm. and how many offenses now are so passive. So dime personnel is six defensive backs. I thought the numbers would have been slightly higher, but that's been used 9.6% of plays. So it's the third. No, I I wouldn't have thought it would be higher just because yams, like there's still a physical part to football. And (laughs) you, you, you can't put too many defensive backs out there with the evolution of our quarterbacks being able to run the football. I mean, Josh Allen is the backup running back for the Buffalo See that, Bills. dude? It's like another tank running That's out there. That's what I'm saying. Um, Lamar Jackson is the lead running back for the Baltimore Ravens. And so you, there's still an element where you have to have some size on the field. And I think what we're in the middle of seeing is our defenders' bodies starting to change. Yeah. Right? We saw it with the outside linebacker with Lawrence Taylor with some of the defensive schemes. We just finished seeing it with the tight end or H-back position or fullback position, whatever you want to call it, kind of evolving and changing. And so, yeah, I think guys like Isaiah Simmons, the outside linebacker slash defensive back slash rusher slash defensive weapon that the Arizona Cardinals have, I think he's going to be more of the norm going forward in the National Football League. Would you throw out a name like Micah Parsons as well? Because from an agility standpoint. Defensive chess piece. He can play multiple spots. Again. It's like the queen. Yes, like the queen in chess. So like, if I'm, I always take myself back to when I'm in the blocking unit, I am a running back sitting back there looking at a defense. 
how do we identify guys? Because it's all about identifying guys. And when you see a Michael Parsons, it's one of those, you're telling your tackle and your guard, and you're saying, hey, guys, he's a big, okay? I ain't blocking him. You guys get paid to block that guy. And then Dan Quinn, because Michael Parsons is so dominant, that's a chess piece. You can put him in certain spots that force an offense to have to react to him. It's a pretty neat deal. All right. So you just told a little bit of a story. And over the weekend, I was working with MJD, okay. who told a similar story from his rookie season. Uh-huh. And he goes, Byron Leftwich is our quarterback. He goes, man, it's like the first couple of weeks. And they're telling me there's like, they're going to build in this, this pass pro for me where I got to go and like, I forget who the player was, but uh-huh. it was like a monster. Maybe it was Demarcus Ware. It might have been Demarcus Ware. And he yeah. goes, "Man, you, you guys told me that. Too. I'm getting paid like 300k, right? Like that dude. No, like that ain't happening." And no. he's like, "I start." MJD goes, "I'm starting to get anxiety about it because I go, these dudes are going to run this stuff. Like I and I can't do. I'm not going to do it." <laughs> so they go out there. Game day comes, and he's like, "Dude." Where it blows right past me, left which gets blown up. Oh yeah! And he goes, "I got reamed out," but I said, "You know what? Would you expect w- exactly?" He goes, <laughs> and once again, that dude was making a however many million. He goes, "I'm making three hundred thousand dollars." He goes, "Man, the running backs coach goes, good point. But yeah. Do me a favor next time. <laughs> let's just let's not vocalize that here." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he, I mean, he's right. I mean, yeah. I've, I remember having arguments. Well, guys, don't get me wrong. I played fullback when I got to Seattle, but myself and our left tackle Russell O'Kung playing up against um, we call him Cowboy, but Justin Smith for the San Francisco 49ers and Alden Smith. I mean, when if Justin inched down to a three technique, then Russell O'Kung has to block Alden Smith. If he stays at a four hour, then Alden Smith is mine. And I'm sitting here like, bro, you get paid all this the money. money. You, yeah. you better block Alden Smith, man. This no. dude is 10 times longer than I. No way. But, you know, I had to do my thing from time to time. So is that, that little saying, business decisions. Business out, decisions. Out on, yeah. on the football Call time field. Out. <laughs> all right. So I know we were talking a little bit about some of these DBs as well. So if you notice with dime or nickel packages, there are a lot of DBs on the field, which means, to your point, a little less linebackers out there. As offenses have evolved, being run first to pass first, defenses have actually, they've adjusted from Buddy Ryan's eight-man-in-the-box defenses to Leslie Frazier's almost exclusive nickel personnel usage. Linebacker usage, check this out, has actually gone down in recent years in favor of more defensive backs who are better in coverage. 15 years ago, 2007, NFL teams used three or more linebackers on just over 71% of the plays. In the first seven weeks of 2022, NFL teams used three or more linebackers on 64% of the plays. So in 15 years, we're talking about a 7% drop. Many NFL teams today, they're looking for those versatile dudes that are out there. We just talked about, right? Mm -hmm. Michael Parsons, one of those guys that we brought up. It's just, it's sort of fascinating to see and feel and watch when you're watching some of these games, just what these dudes actually look like. There's actually a pretty wide variance in blitzing across the league. Last season, the Dolphins dialed up pressure on almost 40% of snaps, where the Raiders only did it on 14% of snaps. Mm. Now, the Raiders actually still pretty good at getting to the quarterback, despite not blitzing. There's a part of me that says, yo, bring the heat, bring the heat. There's like that aggressive <laughs> side of me. And then they, I go, man, I might not want to be all that aggressive. Maybe it's that bend, don't break. Once again, coaching philosophy, or is that based on personnel, some of those decisions? Um, I, okay, okay, I sound like a broken record. I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. I mean, because it is coaching philosophy. You do have coaches out there 
who want to force action, meaning they're going to blitz just to get you to throw the ball to a certain place so that they can dictate where the ball goes and then rally and make the tackle. You got some coordinators like a Matt Eberflus, who's the head coach for the Chicago Bears now. He's a guy that he's going to play zone. He's going to bend a little bit. He's going to leave a zone open. Yeah that he knows the quarterback is going to see. It's oftentimes going to be a shorter route, shorter check down. And then he's going to have all 11 guys rally to the ball and make the tackle. That's a bend but don't break type of a defense. I'm, I'm like this, and obviously I'm Bills Mafia, so I like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> they play nickel more than any other team in the National Football League, so you know, obviously I know a lot about them. But the personnel has to be there as well. They have a nickel back in Teron Johnson. Okay, I think he's number four. This guy is amazing because, again, he's a defensive back, but he has the heart, he has the willingness, he has the toughness to be able to sit in the box, cover tight ends, share blocks from tight ends, and be able to make the tackle in what we call the briar patch or between the tackles. So he's uniquely built to be able to do that. They also understand how to play their safeties, sure. right? You have guys like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poirier. I know they're banged up yeah. right now, and they have some young guys that are playing there right now. Um Marlowe just signed back with those guys, so I think he's going to be there for the championship run. But you got to have the <laughs> solo. I'm already, you, you know, I'm already throwing that out. There. Little, I'm already little, throwing that little out. Little subtle mention there. Did you see that? Did, 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 did oh, you see yeah. that? Did you like, see how quick that was? Yeah, how subtle yeah, that was? Yeah, but you know yeah, what I'm saying? They're yeah. getting ready for the championship fact, run. Yeah. Um, but you got to have the safeties to be able to identify, trigger, and be able to go to the box when they see run. It's about playing, covering these quarterbacks, these dynamic quarterbacks with two safeties high. We talked about Vic Fangio early in the podcast, how he kind of his style of defensing where you have two safeties high, giving the illusion of the light box, doing some games in the box to be able to stop the run, and then having dominant players. Yeah. I mean – like I tell people all the time, like with the Buffalo Bills, you got a Von Miller who commands a double team on pass rushes. You got an Ed Oliver who commands a double team, a Tim Settle who commands a double team. I mean, you got all of these guys who command double teams. They're going to win. It used to be the old adage, offensive coordinators want to get their guys one-on-one. If I can get this offensive lineman one-on-one with this defensive lineman, we should win. My guy sure. gets paid. We should be one-on-one. That's no longer the case anymore. These defenders are just too good and that's why you're seeing defenses like this work yeah you know i i think to you know talk about safeties right like guys that are really fast i you know from an offensive standpoint mm -hmm. you know this man like nothing better like if you're a quarterback throwing the touchdown you're you know coming out of the backfield getting into that end zone i always think it's really cool when there's like that safety blitz and you know the guy starts dropping back a little bit and as soon as the ball is snapped, it's dead sprint to the quarterback, numbers game, completely untouched, <laughs> just annihilates. Like, in See? my mind, like, that's got to be, like, their Super Bowl. Oh, obviously getting a pick is always nice, but it's like, <laughs> yo, man, I'm bringing the heat, and it's awesome. See, you got some aggressiveness know, in there man. a little bit. See, I know Yams. Uh -huh. Yams probably was a linebacker in his former life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I got, I got punished with the body that I have now, so we ain't, we ain't playing. I'll be like the water boy, you know, director of player personnel yeah. in the front office right like that's that's more i'm more built for that at this point than i am being a linebacker but, but in all honesty like again with the dynamics of these quarterbacks man we talk about these quarterbacks getting all the reps in high school all the reps in little league going to these passing camps they're coming to the national football league ready to throw the football they're coming to national football league ready to push the ball downfield again I'm, I'm one of those guys i like to just look at opportunity costs right if i'm a defensive coordinator if i can affect the quarterback with just four or three why would i ever send extra rushers yeah. to me that's the way to do it especially with the caliber of quarterback our lower leagues are giving us yeah so you're talking about personnel and what you bring to the table 
blitzing, I just want to throw some numbers towards people. Okay. Uh, once again, first seven weeks of the 2022 season, teams have blitzed on 27% of defensive plays. 21% of plays are five-man blitzes. 6% of plays are six-plus blitzers. Man, Hold up. Can yeah, I stop you there? 100% you can. People have to understand. Yes. Five-man blitzes usually come with zone coverage behind it because you're only sending one extra rush. Sure. So you still have enough guys in coverage. You still have six guys in coverage where you can have a three deep and three underneath where you still have enough eyes to defend the other eligible receivers that are out there. When you start getting into this six or more rushers, now you're talking about what we call zero coverage. Now what we talk about, listeners, when you watch the game and you start seeing third and eight and third and six in critical situations in a game and what we call a fence look, all you see is a line of defensive backs behind everybody else that's at the line of scrimmage. That's zero coverage. When you get into six or more blitzers, that's zero coverage. And again, that's the difference. And you got some defensive coordinators who specialize in the zone dogs. We, you know, we talked about Dick LeBeau a little bit earlier, who's the inventor of that. That's yeah. a guy sending five, overloading one side of the offense of, of blocking unit with pressure while dropping in the zone. That's zero pressure. That's what Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, they like that. Yeah. Because it's usually touchdowns on the back end. Of uh, no, no kidding. Those <laughs> just, just flinging it and, and it's, you know, straight to the end zone for six. Um, a little more context here on blitzing. I'm glad you actually stopped me there. NFL teams, they've generated pressure on quarterbacks on 25% of non-blitz plays compared to 34% of blitz plays that resulted in quarterback pressure. So, as you can imagine, it probably does pay to blitz. I got some sack rates for some people. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll take 2018, for example. Sack rate in 2018, no blitz, 5.6%. One blitzing, 9.8%. Those numbers generally, 2019, 20, 21, and 22, relatively stable. There's some upticks here and there, but generally speaking, the point is blitz should get to the quarterback. How much pressure is there, M. Rob? It's obvious because the quarterback's the one facing it, but what does blitzing actually do to an offense? What kind of pressure does that create? Oh, it creates a tremendous amount of pressure. First of all, when you're sending more than five, all right? Because again, if a defense sends five defenders, generally speaking, you would think, okay, well, those my five can block their five. Now, you know, some may lose on one-on-one -on -one protection, but generally speaking, my five will block their five. Again, when you start adding more to it, now as a running back, right, I might be a, a premier runner, but now my ability to protect the quarterback and hold up in pass protection, am I a liability? Am I, is this something that I know how to do? Can I hold up without holding? All of those things. Yeah. And when you keep running backs in, when you keep tight ends in for protection, whether it's to help the tackle or whether it's because of blitzing guys, there's only but so many routes they can do after that. Like, I think our listeners need to truly understand when you see running backs and tight ends on the outside blocking guys or being there to stop the blitz or help tackles, they're only running a flat route after that. So, again, now you're having – you got five eligible receivers. Two of the five now are only relegated to flat routes, and the defense knows this. And so it's all about numbers and angles, and it's all about out-leveraging the other side. Defenders, because they don't usually defend the quarterback, usually have that leverage. All right. I know we've talked about some of the base personnel and what – offenses are seeing depending on what's coming their way with some of these blitzes but when we come back here what defensive schemes are happening in the defensive secondary we'll talk about that and what defenses are using their scheme to become the best in the league that's still to come here on the nfl explained podcast you go into your shower feeling tired 
But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we got our mailbag episode right around the corner. Would love for people to continue to fire off some of those questions. Uh, if you want to sign into the DMs, I <laughs> uh, keep getting them. At Mike underscore Yam, feel free. M. Rob and I will take everyone yes. through a special mailbag episode right around the corner. But we've been talking about defenses, the evolution of defenses, what we're actually seeing on that side of the field. And defenses, once again, you're playing a little bit of catch up, right? Because what they do is dictated on what the offense is doing. We talked a little bit about blitzing and how it can wreak havoc on an offense, but what are the DBs actually doing? Those defensive backs in defensive schemes, whether it's a heavy run attack or a heavy passing attack, and Rob, I want you to take me through what some of these defensive backs are doing. We hear terms like cover three, mm-hmm. zone defense, man-to-man. How about this? How about we just explain the coverage and then I'll go through some of the numbers on okay. how often it's used. So maybe we start cover zero. All right, cover zero, right? So cover zero, if you heard me a little bit earlier, I talked about if you're sending six guys or more, okay, 
then you got man-on-man on on the outside. You got man-on-man all across the board. There's five defensive backs if you're sending six guys. So there's only 11 guys on the field. If you're sending six, you have five defenders for the five eligible receivers, right? Being the extra defender rushing, the quarterback has to handle that. And so zero coverage, it just means no extra help. There's man-to-man across the board, but the quarterback also has a free defender. He has the free defender because, again, he is the guy accounting in the number as well, and the d- the defense will always have an extra defender. Tell me if I'm wrong here. Cover zero, no safeties. Cover one, it's single high safety. Cover two, two safeties deep. Is that a good way of thinking of it? Well, that's a, gr- that's a good way of thinking of it. The reason why I don't say it that way, because there's still safeties on the field. Sure. They just, <laughs> they're, they're locked in man coverage. So I don't like to say no safeties because that can kind of, you know, anybody listening say, oh, where did the safeties the go? Did yeah. they just bring more corners on the field? No, the safeties are still there. They're just in man where, coverage. Where are their position? Where their position. Point. So basically okay. you're saying based off of zero coverage, middle of the field is open, yep. so to speak. And then single high would be single cover high, one. Cover just one, one middle of the field closed. Yep. But usually cover one, again, there's an extra defender. You're either sending that extra sure. defender or that extra defender's playing what we call a rat or a spy. or He's an extra guy in the middle of the field where his other defensive backs can funnel receivers to. Okay, which takes us to cover, how about we go cover three? Because at that point in cover two, once again, two safeties up high, mm-hmm. essentially getting half of the field in that open space. Good yes, that's cover two. Yeah. Cover two basically is two safeties high. Both safeties have a half of the field. Okay, and you have five guys underneath. Sure. Okay, you got your three linebackers in there, hook zone coverages, and then your corners, they have the flats. Cover three is basically three deep, meaning there's a safety in the middle of the field. He has the middle third. The outside corner has one third. The other corner has another third. Okay, and then the underneath coverage, which usually consists of a drop down safety linebacker, which is the Will linebacker, the Mike linebacker and the Sam linebacker. So three deep, four cross underneath and four rushing. And again, really, three deep is not to give up the explosive play. Sure. Teams that play three deep, their corners are playing, looking at the quarterback, playing over top of the routes, knowing that they have underneath coverage that's dropping to help them out. You know, it's fascinating because people are listening to this podcast. You used the term before you said spy and rat. I haven't yes. even heard of anyone <laughs> say rat. I always think about it as spy. And it's funny because I'm going to ask you about cover four. And I never, I know this sounds crazy. I don't, maybe it's just the people that I've been around. I never hear cover four. I only hear quarters. Yeah. So like that's kind of how I always associated with. So those are you know the what I mean. You've been around. Yeah. And usually in football circles, most guys are going to say quarters. And quarters basically are is two safeties high. One corner has a quarter of the field. One safety has a quarter. The other safety has a quarter, and the other corner has another quarter. Okay. And I think that's three zones underneath. That's four plus three. That's seven. Plus the other four, that's 11. Okay, yeah, with four rushers. I always got to do my math yeah. that way, man. Um, and the special thing about cover four is your safeties are reading the number two receiver. If the number two receiver blocks, they are the run support. So they are the extra defenders. They are the defenders that in Vic Fangio's defenses, those support players gave Mike Robson problems. Yes. All right. So I'm going through some of my notes here, and it just dawned on me. Like, cover six? Like, I've never even heard of someone referencing cover six. Yeah, everybody referenced cover six. No, and even there's no cover five on my list. <laughs> well, it's hard to have a cover two and a cover three at the right? same damn time. I, you know what I'm saying? But cover six, yeah. cover six, you can, you know, you can do that, right? Because both of those coverages are middle of the field open. 
so you can combo those coverages. So the cover two side of things, usually you put that into the boundary. Usually there's a corner who's willing to tackle. Usually that's also a corner who you can blitz in and be able to affect the quarterback. And so it's cover two to one side where it's a rolled up corner where a safety has that half of the field. And then on the other side, there's a corner who has a quarter and the safety who has a quarter with, again, the same underneath coverages going along. That's a lot. Now, yeah. I hope people are, are, are staying with us. Now, this is a lot of football going on yeah. right now. We talking. Yeah. This is a lot of football. Man. No, no here, here's the beauty of a podcast, right? Or if you're scrolling and watching on YouTube, you scroll back. You could do a little double go. tap 10 seconds listen. back. So you just gave us a good snapshot of the different yes. coverages. I want to throw this your way here in terms of what's being used most commonly. Cover three, most commonly used coverage scheme through the first seven weeks of the 2022 season. So it's about 35% of defensive plays. That's according to PFF. Okay. Following cover three, the next most common scheme Cover one at 21%, cover four at 13%, cover two at 13%, and cover six at 8%. Now, according to Next Gen Stats, teams are using man defense on 31% of plays in 2022, while using zone on 69% of plays. So the rates are basically the same as 2021, featuring 30% man, 70% zone. You know what, Yams? I'd be interested in seeing what that stat is from the 70s. Because when you're talking about running backs being the highlight of offenses, yeah. running games being the premier, I mean, hell, the wide receivers got in three-point stance. Yeah. Okay, so the run game was it. And so the middle of the field had to be closed to get the extra defender in the box. You see what I'm saying? I believe now you're seeing a lot of the zone coming up now and a lot of the two safety high numbers going up now because of the quality of the quarterbacks we're getting. That's the only way to defend these guys. With you there, I think it screams to what we discussed in our Evolution of Offenses podcast edition. Just The, the game is just different than it was in the 70s. Um, just one other note, by the way, on the two high safety defenses, so cover two, that's actually steadily increased over the past five or six years. And, and yep. you're kind of smiling, knowing and not surprised because quarterbacks generally performing a little worse against cover two this season compared to what they did the prior two seasons. I don't know what I would point to. Well, on that. it's this. So cover two, pure cover two with only four rushers, okay? You're dropping seven. There's more underneath defenders. Every time you put another defender into coverage, think about it, Yams, the windows get smaller. Sure. You wow. take a guy out of coverage, the windows get bigger. And so what's starting to happen now is you're starting to force the quarterback to be more precise. You're forcing the quarterback to be more of a playmaker. You're forcing the quarterback to have more opportunities for mistakes, too. And so that's all. Because if the game is played right, and defensive coordinators know this, and defensive coordinators don't get mad at real Mike Rob. I didn't, I didn't make the rules, okay? I didn't make the rules. I just played the game. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. You know what I'm saying? But if offenses do what they're supposed to, they win almost all the time. Like, that's just how it is. Like, huh. and Bill, like you hear Bill Belichick talk about defenses. He'll say, like, we're just going to play right, and they're going to mess it up. When they mess up, we'll be in the right position to take advantage of it. So, yeah, man, come on, defense. All right, so one other note here, because I'm actually looking at some of the numbers. It's actually mm -hmm. really fascinating to me. Quarterbacks against cover two, 2020 versus 2021 versus what we have so far in the 2022 season. Completion percentages in 2020, 73%. 72% down to 70% in 2022. The biggest difference in my mind is the 
because generally speaking, the numbers actually are trending down, but the passing touchdowns to interceptions, I mean, check this out. In 2020, 28 touchdowns, 57 picks. 2021, 32 touchdowns, 62 picks. It's almost not fair. I'm not, I mean, I'll give the numbers because, you know, basically at the halfway point, but eight touchdowns, 27 interceptions. So the point is like the pick rate, man, it's, it's going the wrong way for offense. It's going the wrong way for offenses. And again, we, as much as we talk about the you know, evolutions of offenses and yeah. how, you know, passing camps and quarterbacks are getting more reps and wide receivers are doing this thing. We, we talked about it on previous podcasts. Well, these guys aren't running these routes against air. They're not playing like by themselves. Sure. The, the defenders are getting these reps as well, and they're getting opportunities at the football a little bit more. And it used to be the difference. Used to, we always say in football, the difference between a defensive back and a receiver is the fact that a receiver can catch. They're the same guy. But what's starting to happen now with defenders, they're starting to really be able to catch. I think that's why we're starting to see interceptions come up. All right, so defenses obviously create a ton of chaos with blitzing. We love turnovers, though, because turnovers go a long way to winning the game. Positive turnover margin in a given game give you a better than 75% chance of winning the last five seasons. Teams that have not forced a turnover in a given game have lost greater than 30% of the time Oof. in the past five seasons. So I get it. Wins are always there. But M-Rob, I'm telling you, man, you see a team get a turnover, you look at that sideline, those dudes are going crazy. The whole game is about the ball. The whole game is about the ball. I remember Mike Nolan bringing a football into our team meeting room because we were sorry as all get out at San Francisco for a little bit. And we had a fumbling problem and a turning the football over problem. And we went around the room and we all had to hold a football. And he, we were just talking about what the ball means to us, what this game means to us. And he made the statement like, guys, this ball is everybody's hopes and dreams. Yeah. Don't use it carelessly. Don't handle it carelessly. And it's all about it. Defense, if we get the ball off this offense more then we give it away, we win the game that simple. And so it was more of a focus about the football to the point when I was in Seattle, I mean, Pete, Pete designed a whole day around it. Hmm. We call it no turnover Thursday because yeah. I'm offense, so we don't turn the football over, Yams. But if you're on the defense, you would call that turnover Thursday. We didn't turn the football over yeah. that much. So we didn't have we didn't have a lot of turnover Thursdays. But uh yeah, it's it's really all about the ball. It speaks to what you're saying, because Melvin Gordon earlier this season mm-hmm. was having some fumbling issues, right? I, whatever the numbers were, it's like three or four fumbles in a two, three week span. And I was watching the broadcast, I grew up a Giants fan. Tiki mm-hmm. Barber had some of those same issues, yep. right? Up here. Yeah. Yep. And they were telling a story. I heard the story where Tiki, at one point, the fumbling got so bad, like he would walk around the practice facility all the time mm-hmm. with the ball, like not even yes. during practice, like just always on him. So <laughs> it's that subtle reminder. And it's here. mental, man. Yeah. It mental. Every fumble I've yeah. ever had in my life, Yams, I lie to you not. I thought about it 10 seconds before it happened. Stop. Seriously, I was playing the Giants. They was feeding me the ball. I'm like, I'm finna, I'm finna get a touchdown in New York State in Giants Stadium. And right before I got it on the fourth time in a row inside the two-yard line, I said, Mike, just just hold on to the ball. This would be really <laughs> stupid if you would fumble this close. You're a fullback. We don't get we don't get in the end zone. Yeah. Dude, I took the belly. The ball hit my guard's elbow. Wasn't even a defender. Ball popped out last time I got the ball that season. Yeah, and I think that was like week nine, bro. Oh. Yeah, don't get me started, bro. All right. (laughs) Last question I will ask you for this podcast. Last year, and I referenced it at the top, we did an episode, Does Defense Win Championships? Mm -hmm. I ask you, my offensive player, does defense win championships? Um, Yes. Offenses get you to the show, 
But stopping the other team more than they stop you wins the big game. I mean, that's going to always be the truth in football, and it's also a truth in life. I could go further. but Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I know you want to talk offense and let's just throw it yeah. some more points, be on the offensive. But even in boxing, what did Floyd Mayweather teach us? He was all about defense. One of the greatest yeah. boxers ever played. All about defense. I'd rather be great on both sides of the ball if I had to choose, but I know that's well, not always reality. Come on. But I'll tell you, man, there is something to be said for in these critical moments. Can you execute at a high level? Like, generally speaking, maybe it comes down to one possession. I'd rather be the offensive team in that scenario, but I think big picture in the course of a game in the postseason, you're probably right. Defense, well, that's what I'm general, saying. Yeah. If yeah. it's in the postseason, yeah. for a champ- in a championship, championship moment, I'm rolling defense. But man, man, week nine, week 10, something like that. Give me oh, the offense. Oh, give me offense all day. Yeah. Offense all day. No, I'm with you. Um, look, I appreciate everyone listening to this podcast and it should be noted. We, you know, we, dude, you guys are awesome, man. We get all yes. these like you know, questions and DMs and feedback and it's been super gratifying to do this show. Next week here in the States, and I say in the States because we've got a lot of international DMs. In the States, we have Thanksgiving. <laughs> and Thanksgiving comes, I work because uh, I'll be in studio on Thanksgiving day. <laughs> we watch football. What that means for us is there's not a brand new... There, well, look, let me say this. There'll be a brand new episode, right? It'll be our mailbag episode. Okay. So keep firing off those questions and we'll, we'll get them all compiled for everyone. We just won't have like, hey, evolution of defense. Like not a brand new big picture topic. It's all good, so. but just ask those questions, man. Yeah. And ask anything. I, you know, I go there, Mike. I go there. Oh, go yes. Anywhere yeah. they want to go. Uh, and Rob, the <laughs> teacher. Uh, and and it's not just football, the life teacher as well. Uh, at Real Mike Rob, you can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Yam. This is Defensive Schemes Explained. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.